Welcome one and all to the LMB podcast. Have you ever wondered what in the world service means, what they do, who they are? If you have, you are not alone. Executive Vice President Dave Leathers oversees the company service biz and he's prepared to shed some light on the complex, technologically savvy thinkers and doers who make up the service division. He even gets to that X factor that makes service service. Find out what that is and so much more on today's podcast. I'm your host, Katie Mystery from Learning and Engagement. Let's get started, shall we? Dave, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thanks for uh, thanks for doing this with me, Katie. Yeah, so, so let's dive in. How would you describe the Limbach service business? Uh, you know, our service business has really developed here to, to be described as the part of the business that builds relationships with building owners. Mm. Um, we're, we're here to provide solutions to their business problems that, that you know, relate to their building. And, and that can be most anything. So, I, you know, we try not to have an overly strict definition. It's not just maintenance contracts. It's not just going out yeah. to repair things. Um, it, it's, you know, whatever they need. It could be um, analytics on their building to tell them how to run it better. Uh, it could be coming up with a solution uh, to control the humidity in a museum, like we do at Winter Museum. So, um, I, you know, it's really focused on coming up with a solution for our customers. Mm. It's op- open to interpretation, right? Whatever they need. What, whatever they need that we can provide to help improve their their business on the owner direct side. So was it always like that? I mean, when you first joined the industry, was that the mindset? Um, you know, the service business itself has really evolved. I mean, it, it started within the industry um, probably 25 or 30 years ago, evolving from the manufacturers, basically having people out in different geographies to fix things that broke because they had a warranty to understanding it, it was a, a real service that building owners could take advantage of and become a real business, um, you know, to, to be able to provide that service. And at Limbach, you know, we've transitioned that into something that's, that's not built around a manufacturer. Mm. It's built around the building owner, regardless of what equipment it is or, or what he uses or she uses mm-hmm. and, and what they do. So how long have you been with Limbach then? Uh, 14 years. 14 uh, years. Next month. Oh, yes. congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Looking <laughs> forward to the anniversary. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good one. Time really flies. It, it seems like yesterday. We've had a lot of fun, you know, getting service going here and, and um, kind of really seeing the company morph over that time from a, a purely focused uh, construction company to, to a company that really accommodates all parts of the building. So it, it's been exciting. Well, when you joined, were, did you join as executive vice president of service or what was your position? I joined as senior vice president of service at that time. Mm-hmm. And at that time, there really was no service. Uh, there was a, oh. a piece in Philadelphia that had remained from the days of Enron. So we were owned by Enron and they sold mm-hmm. us about 16 years ago. And when they did, they sold off link service, which we had created. 
and that was a, a significant service business. And so we were really back to square one uh, when I came in. Uh, there's a little piece that, as I said, had been carved out, but mm -hmm. um, other than that, there really was no service at Limbaugh. So I was I was senior vice president of no service <laughs> at Limbaugh. <laughs> That's a big task, though, because there's only this tiny little piece, and you have to go and create service in all of our geographies, all of right. our and, and that was the exciting part of it, right? That yeah. was that was the real attraction to be able to really create something um, that was valuable for the business and and something that the business needed and wanted and and that Charlie Bacon mm -hmm. um, you know really wanted to have and and saw that it was an important part of the business to grow the business going forward. And and service is extremely successful today. So it's taken it's taken time, but it, like any good thing, it takes you know it matures slowly. Um, were did you put a team together or who was responsible for that shift to be so successful um or was it just time time and dedicated effort yeah i i don't know that there was any you know single key thing mm -hmm. that that made it change it it takes time it takes bringing people into the business who understand the vision that we're mm -hmm. creating um it obviously takes the culture to change within yeah. the business so that it's supported. And I think, you know, to your point, time does that, mm -hmm. um, results do that. So when people who aren't necessarily experienced in that part of the business see that it, it can be very successful and it can help the company and, and do a lot of positive things, um, then they get excited about it. Right? Yes, and, yes. and they want to support it. They know it's it's good for the whole business to support it. And and I think that's really what it's taken. I mean, it's been a, a great team that we've built over mm -hmm. the years and every edition, right, just just gets the momentum to really pump. Yeah, I mean, you would never know that this service division of our company is 15 years young. I mean, it just seems like they work, it, it works so fluidly. Um, but this shift that the rest of the company is taking to, to work with owners primarily, but also alongside GCs, you are, you already mentioned that we, in service, we work with the building owner. So how does that align with, um, ODS, uh, that the rest of the company is facing? Yeah, it, it's a great question. And really, uh, you know, when we talk about ODS and we coined that phrase, mm -hmm. I don't know, probably less than a year ago, it's owner direct and service. Mm -hmm. And service always has been owner direct, but it, it's really to add clarity that, look, when we go out and do a big project, and uh, as I started out, right, service is not just maintenance contracts and repairs, mm -hmm. that when we do a big project and we do it for an owner, that's still part of that same offering, right? It's still mm. a solution that we're providing to the building owner because in service, uh, you know, we, we, we do large projects, multi-million dollar projects, and, and we go out and for $400 re repair somebody's piece of equipment, right? So um, it, it's really been a logical transformation and it's, it's just to kind of identify that going to market with an owner has a little bit different approach than going to market with a general contractor. Well, that's, that's interesting to me because 
part of you know my role is learning and engagement. So how can we help our people um, market themselves to owners and work with owners? And so really, we just got to take a page out of the service book. So what are some of those skills or characteristics that your service folks have in working with owners that construction folks should also attempt to encourage in themselves? You know, over my years here and elsewhere, the, the, so we'll have, uh, we'll have a C-Corp, our training group, yes. our peer group, um, do sessions and often we'll open that session with a question to the group. Why, why are you in service? Well, you know, why are you here? What's of interest to you? And by and large, the answer comes back because we want to help people. Mm. We want to find solutions, right? And and that could be salespeople, that can be service managers, it can be administrative folks, this service coordinators, dispatchers, business specialists. But they all tend to end up with that same answer. They just love to find ways to help people, help mm. them improve their business, help them run a better business, and and they enjoy it. Right. And they get yeah. excited about that. It's not it's not drudgery to help people. They're the people who, who truly love being in the business um, just are excited by that. Yeah. And, and that's what makes it fun to be around people who who kind of share that enthusiasm for, you know, trying to find opportunities to do some good things for customers and to make money for the company when they do mm-hmm. it. Right. Right. So right. That's, that's what we're that's what we're Bottom here line. to do. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, um, and they, they think about both when they do it. I, I love that because it gets to the heart of the issue, the, the actual heart of it, which is just serving other people. And um, owners probably love that too, because you're really helping them out. And that, and that enthusiasm probably shines through, you know, when you're in front of a client, if you have that enthusiasm, if you have that drive to serve and to help, that's what they're going to remember, and that's the impactful thing. Right. Owners are smart people, just just like everybody else, and they know the difference between somebody who's just there to sell them something or just there because they have to fix a piece of equipment mm-hmm. or, or just calling on the phone because they have to call to collect an invoice. Yeah. And the people who do it because they want to have a relationship, they want to help, and they, they want to help the customer do better as well as Limbaugh, right? And that, you know, that goes all the way through, really calling for an invoice. We, you know, you think about collections, um, we're generally calling our regular customers when we have to follow up on an invoice. Mm -hmm. So uh, you need to build a relationship with those customers and understand it's typically that they have an issue if if they haven't made their payment. Um, It might be, administrative issue it could be anything Ah. but the people who are most successful are the ones who have developed a relationship with the customer um, and and are looking forward to making that call because they're probably resolving a problem to to get things worked out and that's what they love to do so it's twofold it's one they are solving a problem a problem that needs to be solved but two they're doing that in such a way that encourages the relationship they're treating the other person like they want to be treated right and and service is all about that ongoing relationship yeah that's why it's so valuable because the building continues to exist 
and we want to build that relationship with the building owner. We, we want to have that interaction at all different levels, administratively, service management, technician, salesperson, manager. You, you want an ongoing relationship with the building. And that's a good point because normally you would just think that's the salesperson's role. Right. But you're and saying it's not. It, it's not. The, yeah. the, whole, the whole group is integrated with that customer. And, and sometimes I think, you know, on our learning curve and our journey at the company and helping people to understand that, they'll see a title like sales or service manager or technician um, and, and kind of put it into a, a bucket. Right. Mm -hmm. And and they have an idea of what that means. But it's it's the relationship that everyone carries with the customer that generates business through through the, the bond we have with the building owner and all of the solutions we provide. Right. Mm -hmm. Technicians yeah. are creating business. Service managers create business. The, the person calling for the overdue invoice is creating business. Mm -hmm. So it, it happens that at all levels that salespeople just happen to have it in their title. That is, it's a team effort and it sounds like a process. <laughs> like there's so many moving parts to the service business or what you've put together over these past um, 14, 15, 14 years. So what in, in that vision or in that process um, are you most proud of? I, you know, I think it's really, um, Kind of as we're talking about, it's mm -hmm. it's that sales and solution mentality. It's that interaction with the customer. That's that's been um, a significant change as yeah. we built the service business. And you know, to keep that focus, to understand that when you go out and you sign an agreement for a maintenance contract that's five thousand dollars, and it seems like in our world of 30 and $50 million jobs, mm -hmm. that's not significant, but you, you've established a relationship and that building is now our customer. That building owner is now our customer. Yeah, good And point. it's all about building on that relationship, having that solution mentality, or, you know, some people want to call it a sales mentality mm -hmm. um, that, that I think, you know, that's been the biggest change to our culture here and um and i think i'm, I'm most excited about that that yes yeah. that it's just a neat way to do business and and i love to do business with people who get excited about that yeah and that certainly answers the question it helps us to get to know you better um especially as one of the the senior members of our company getting getting to know you and what you're proud of what you're excited about is a top priority because it helps inspire i think other people not just in the service side of our business but across across the company so we have a rather fun and quirky way to continue to do that have you ever heard of the game would you rather no okay so here's how it works i'm going to give you two choices and you're going to tell tell us your preference if you had to choose just one and you'll say why you chose that. Oh, okay. Okay. It is it has nothing to do with what we've talked about so far. Good. Good. Now, all right, I'm excited. Let's all do right. it. All right, here we go. Would you rather Would you rather be good at any new skill you tried but always work on new things or work with the same old skills 
and specialize your work? Oh, I, I think I'd like to be good at new things all, yeah? all the time. I mean, that's, you know, that's the excitement in life, right? Is, is experience new things and, um, and, and things that take you out of your comfort zone. And, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to, um, to just kind of sit in the place that, mm-hmm. that you're good at and you're comfortable. Um, but that's not as much fun. Right. So <laughs> it's, it, I, I think it's fun to, to challenge yourself and put you into situations where, um, you know, maybe you're a little uncomfortable, but when you're finished, you know, you, you feel, you feel better about having done something different. That's such a personality. That's so indicative of your personality too, because that's probably what brought you to this company over a decade ago. That yeah, same for answer. Sure. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I sure didn't know what I was walking into at the time. And there really wasn't anything here that, that I was walking into, but it, it just seemed like a great opportunity and challenge to yeah. do something new and different. Yeah. I've, I'm curious. I think I'm going to try this question out on some other people and see what they say, because there's a difference. Um, you know, the, using the EOS language, there's the visionaries and the integrators, and they're both absolutely necessary. The visionary seems like the kind of person that's like, I, I want to try new things all the time. Give me, give me something new. I want to be challenged. Whereas the integrator is like, whoa, 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 let's let's perfect this and then move on. And and we need both of those people. <laughs> for, for sure, we do because we have to be good at what we do. Yes. I, you know, yeah. we can't we we can't have a business where. Um, we, we just come up with new ideas all of the time. And, and as you said before, even in service, there's a lot of systems and mm-hmm. transactions and things like that. And we have to be very good at them to be able to deliver them. And that, that requires people to focus on them. But, yeah. um, but it's a lot of fun to keep finding new ways <laughs> to, to work with the customer and do things. Right. You're never bored. I mean, that's right. a good thing. Right. Um, so let's talk about one of those systems, if you will. It's We call it the four points of communication. How did the four points of communication come to be? And why is that um, so critical to the success of our business? Well, I'd like to tell you that it came to me in a dream one night. No, it did not. It did not. Oh. <laughs> um, actually, I, I, there is a, a real story. Um we had a session with M62 and, and, mm. you know, some people have worked with M62 in the company, I think a lot, but, but not everyone. And it's really a group that we've worked with over the years that helps us refine our message to mm-hmm. customers primarily. And they're very good at what they do. And, and they're very good at challenging you to think beyond what your normal thinking is. So mm-hmm. we had a session. Uh, it's, you know, many years ago now uh, with M62 and a group of service folks. And that, you know, that very thing was happening. They said, why do customers buy from you? What is it that you bring to the table? And we gave all the ordinary answers, right? Because like we, what? Have, we have great technicians, yeah. right? And, and we have great ideas for your building and, and we can reduce your downtime. And, um, and they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've heard that all before. The customers have heard that all before, but, but everybody else in your league does that. Why do they do business with you and not them? And it took a lot of soul searching. And we really came down to, look, when we deliver great communication, hmm. that's really what sets us apart. And customers value that 
tremendously, you know, yes, it's, it's about your price. And yes, you have to technically be great um, and do all of those things. But a customer wants to protect their building and their brand and their job. And they need communication at all levels to do that. So, you know, it really bubbled up from there. And, and I just, you know, back to the process and systems, I said, okay, it's got to be more than just we do good communication. How, how do we define that? And we said, well, there's, there's four contact points. So that's what we're going to live for, those four contact points. And, um, and it's stuck. And it, it does truly differentiate us because a lot of companies say they have good communication but the ones who deliver it are, are the ones who are successful. Yeah, and these, these steps are practical. Can you, can you uh, give the four points of communication? Sure, so um, keep in mind it centers around our relationship with the customer and when we go out there. So the first step is we make contact before anyone goes to their building to tell them we're coming and what we're coming to do. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a, a maintenance contract inspection. Then when we arrive at the building, the technician will check in and say, I'm here and this is what I'm here to do and I'm going to be in your building. I want you to know that, that yes. I'm in your building. <clears throat> then when he or she's finished, um, again, stops and checks in person and says, I'm finished, this is what I've done or this is what's left or this is the situation and I'm leaving your building now. So I, I won't be here, you can know that I'm no longer here. And then a follow-up to that call uh, you know, from the office, if you will, to say, you know, was everything okay? This is what we've done, this is what we found. And either we need to come back or we need to have a follow-up conversation or do you have any other issues? And you know, the fourth point, not unlike when you take your car to the car dealership. You, you get a text and an email and a phone call, and they all want to know how they've done. And yeah. we want that communication at all levels. So that's that's the driver behind it. So construction, I think, has a version of this, but it's not as concrete. And I think that's the, the value of the four points of communication. Like you said, it's very, it's step by step. It's practical. You are giving your client, your customer, um, a step-by-step of here's what we're going to do just so you have the knowledge you have the power here's how we're going to interact with you and that sets people at ease because they have the information right and it has to be specific because we literally have thousands in the company thousands of transactions a day in service right and and those are phone calls those are visits bills that go out um you know literally hundreds of bills and invoices a day go out or work. So in, in service, we tend to need more process mm-hmm. uh, just so those things happen and we can count on them happening the right way every time for the customer. Because that's, again, yeah. that's what gives them comfort to know that they, they have a standard that will be met when they hire us. Like we've said before, I mean, with the company moving to owner direct and service, um, I think this four points of communication is going to be universally applicable. Um, but in in another sense, where do you see that bond between service and construction? Where is that you know one company or one call for it all mindset in the sales and operations process? You know that that continues to evolve. 
Mm -hmm. uh, you know, certainly part of that is that even if we're in construction building a new building uh, for a general contractor, at the end of the day, we want to be able to support the person who's going to own that building or the company that will own that building and transition in there with ongoing service. So that might, you know, take the form yeah. of the project manager bringing in a service sales rep as we go through the commissioning phase mm -hmm. or to some of the project meetings, um, you know, at the tail end, the last 25% of the project so that people get to know him and the owner's rep is there and we transition over that relationship. But e even beyond that very direct way, we're, we're focusing more and more in the construction side of the business, the general contractor side, of targeting jobs where we think the end result, the building that we're building, is a building that will value the service we bring. And that's a jumping off point for service. So, you know, to move a little beyond just getting work for the sake of getting work with a general contractor, but being more targeted about mm -hmm. getting work in a building that will be the beginning of a relationship that we'll have for the life of the building. Mm. It's a very holistic perspective. Well, I, and that's the concept. And, and really it should be because it should be all working as one right yeah. for, for the same opportunity and at the end of the day um, we want to focus on that relationship with the building owner so that so that we can be in there and develop that that ongoing back and forth relationship yeah and there's a lot of pieces and parts that can support that relationship happening that can support the processes that it would take to um, develop relationships and sustain them with with clients with owners but I'm, I'm also very curious about the technology side of that, because I know that service especially uses some pretty cool technology. So what kind of technological supports do, you, do we use now in the service business? And what do you see going forward as being critical to fit the business? Yeah, you know, we've really, um, I think, ramped up our technology and, and adopting technology. Mm -hmm. uh, in the last couple of years, and, and of course, technology is always evolving. There, there was a time that technology, the advancement in technology was uh, even before flip phones, right? Yeah. It was having radios that you could talk to one another because beepers had been the standard. So, mm -hmm. you know, what is, what is new technology quickly becomes old technology. That's right. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, for, for service, um, there, there's a number of areas we've gotten into. In terms of the customer, um, we've really gone down a path of developing our controls business and now being able to do building analytics. Mm -hmm. And that simply means that through the control system, we can gather data from a building and make decisions on how the building should operate from that and give those decisions to the customer or also use those decisions to say, you know, these pieces of equipment seem to fail most often or they have the most problems. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing an inspection just on everything when we go next time, we're going to focus all our time on those pieces of equipment wow. for the customer. And it gives us direction to help them better. So it's and efficiency then, too. Yeah, it, it, it and, and again, it helps us, but, but it really is helping the customer yeah. at the end of the day. And again, providing a better solution for them. 
Um, you know, another cool thing that, that we've implemented is um, it's the brand name is XOI technology. And it's really allowed us to communicate with our technicians in the field and through video interaction and manipulation. Um, we can not only assist our technicians so that when they're out there, if they need help, we can help them. But it allows us to show a customer what's going on with their equipment, with their building, without them leaving their desk. And, um, and the customers love it. They, they, yeah, they just, they love sure. it. They, you know, they can see, they can be right there seeing what we're doing, when we're doing it, what their problems are, and what we suggest to do to help them. And, uh, you know, that customers just are, get very excited about that. It's so we're, we're moving. Exciting. Yeah, we're, we're building on that. Um, we, we really have just been beta testing our virtual technician, mm -hmm. which is sort of the next step of that. And that's going to allow us to have a customer show us their problem, interact with us without us being at the building and basically triage their problem so that you know they don't have to wait for the tech to come out there to say we have to order a piece of equipment mm. um, you know they they can interact with us we can see the problem we can get the, the piece of equipment on order or the part and then you know from ground zero to installation might be um, six hours instead of somebody going there trying to uncover what's going on, then they have to leave, you know, then they have to order a part and then they come back two or three days later. So, you know, there's, there's some really exciting, exciting things. Yeah. Kind of, kind of next generation. Um, we're right now strategizing on a customer response center. Okay. Be really a central hub for technology that relates to the customer. So um, we'll, we'll launch a customer portal next year and our customers will be able to um, go into the portal themselves, see their work history, request service, uh, see the invoices that they have outstanding, all, all different things that relate to them and, and do it without you know, having to place a phone call or ask for an email on an invoice or a list of work completed. Um, they can they can just go in through their own computer or phone and and get the data they need from anything that we've done for them. My gosh, and, that is yeah. so exciting! Yeah, cool stuff. Um, really, really cool things. And and again, in in three or four or five years, probably everyone will have it, and it will be passe. So you know, we have to we have to keep staying ahead of the ahead of the curve. Um, yeah. But I, I think the customer response center is going to open a whole bunch of new doors for us, right? Oh my gosh, it's, it's, yes. It's, um, the way technology develops, it, it will be the place where we kind of brainstorm new technologies to, to support the, biz, the service business and the service customer. So I'm, I'm really pumped about that. Oh, I mean, it sounds, it sounds amazing. I can't see how anybody who's listening to this would not be pumped about it. It's just one of those things that's like, it's the vision and I can see it, but I also feel as though we're ready for that. You know, practically, we have the technology we need. We're, we're, we're so close to seeing that. Yeah, and the great thing about it is I think everybody is getting excited about it. Yes. Right? The people in the service business, they want it. They're excited about doing what they need to do 
to get it going and and make it a reality, not just ideas on paper. And you know, so we I think we've done that as a start with analytics and and a start index OI. And as long as you know people are excited and supportive, we we can keep going. Yeah, and and even as you're talking, I'm you know hearkening back to what you said about the heart of the business being service to people and helping people. And I think that's a very practical, but 21st century way of doing that, of, of serving the client in the way that they need or can best be helped. So it's and, and the tech, the technology focus is to do that, right? Yes. That's kind of the litmus test we use. Yes. Well, it is um, just about that time to start closing out the show, and we're going to close it out with our curveball question. Okay. I think I'm ready. And for those of you who don't know, a curveball question is one that the interviewee has not seen ahead of time. Got to keep them on their toes, you know? All right. Here we go. Forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater. Okay. Um, I think many many of us would be curious to know, because you handle so much on a daily basis, what is the most difficult part of your job? Um, I, I think it's the, the cultural change, right? So service is a different business that, yeah. that we are building, will continue to build and have built here. And um, in, in building it, we're we're building a business with a bit of a different culture. Now there are great parts of Limbaugh culture that cross every part of the business. Right. But bringing people into the business um, with a, a different approach to a customer because they're different customers, different types of mm-hmm. customers, and um, and having them supported, the the cultural change has really been the probably the biggest challenge. You know, back yeah. it's back to. Charlie Bacon said to me when I first got here, somebody came in and was all excited because they sold a $5,000 maintenance contract. And he said, I just don't get it. Like, what's the big deal? Mm -hmm. And today, Charlie understands how important that relationship is. And he'll tell that story that, um, you know, building relationships with customers is the key to what we do. So it's been a challenge, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, you know, it's exciting to see what we've done with it and, and where we've gotten to. Yeah. And like you said, we're always evolving. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the next 15 years. We'll see where we are then. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining today and enlightening us on this crucial part of our business. And, and props to all you service folks out there who are working hard to make this division so successful. Thanks, Dave. Oh, thanks, Katie. It's been a blast. Consistent client communication and leveraging technology sets service up to not only be a lucrative side of our business, but also a solutions-based, customer-centered one, making service both an art and a science. Before you go and thank a service professional for their job well done, send learning at limbachinc.com an email with an answer to today's trivia question. If you're the first one to get it right, you're going to win some cash to the company store. Here it is. Who acquired Limbach Company in 1998? Thanks for listening, folks. Catch you next time on LMB Podcast. Podcast.